I'm Kelsey. I'm Cassie. And I'm Nolan from SCP Weekly. We bring you news from on-site and off-site. And we share your love for the creative community that surrounds the SCP Wiki. Join us on Tuesdays for new episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube at SCP Weekly. The world we inhabit is not as free, or certain, or safe as you might think. The things that you believe to be unassailably evident are little more than shadows dancing behind a curtain. A masquerade, crafted and dutifully upheld by an organization known as the Foundation. The file you are about to hear contains containment procedures, descriptions, testing logs, historical and in some cases first-hand accounts of the anomalous objects the Foundation serves to secure, contain and protect. Its contents have been thoroughly scrutinized by the Ethics Committee and approved by the O5 Council for release to trusted associates of the Foundation. This is SCP Unredacted. October 1st, Bray Road, just outside of Sloth's Pit, Wisconsin. And with that, ladies and germs, it's officially October. The late-night radio announcer on KDALFM Duluth sounded far more excited than he should have been. I know this year's been tough, but small comfort to you Wisconsin folks. Douglas County hasn't canceled trick-or-treating yet, so Halloween may still be on. I've got a listener request here. Going into the hour, after that, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming. Agent Saren Price reached into the cab of the wrecked truck and turned off the radio, careful not to disturb the body within. She'd seen a lot of gore in her day, so this barely registered, or it would have, if not for the missing head. Looks like it may have been removed post-mortem. Malcolm Guillard, Site-87's head of investigations, frowned. Small mercies, I guess. The entire semi, a truck from a distribution center bound for the Walmart in Sloth's Pit, had flipped over at least three times before coming to a stop about 50 meters away from the road. Evidence markers were planted all along the trail of wreckage, everything from boxes of Halloween costumes to pieces of tires to unidentified animal tracks. It now lay upside down with the arms of the body eerily clutching the steering wheel, rigor mortis had set in early. Not many things around here could have done this, Saren observed. She was briefly blinded by the headlamp of another operative combing through the forest around them. And literally on October 1st, fuck me, it's happening again. Looks that way. Giard offered Saren his thermos. But I've got reports there's nothing keeping us in town this year, so we can evacuate if need be. If, Saren snorted, pulling her mask down to accept a slug of coffee before quickly pulling it back up. One of the only good things about having to wear it was that it covered up her scar. Right. I remember when we used to evacuate the town for a zombie attack. Now we've got a contingent of dumb motherfuckers who'd rather say it's another fake virus and shoot at us when we try to remove them. Which is why we screen, Giard nodded, so we don't run into those situations. The joint where the trailer had once been creaked ominously as a fire engine pulled up. As well equipped as the foundation was, fire engines were outside of their normal expenditures, and with the amount of fuel spilled in the road, the possibility they would be needed grew with every second. This isn't the Bray Road, is it? Saren asked. Like, beast of? That one's down in southern Wisconsin. He pronounced it Wisconsin with as much sarcasm as he could muster. One had to stay humorous during grim times, or else risk losing their mind. But it is a full moon, isn't it? Another one due on Halloween, Price confirmed. She turned her gaze back to Bray Road itself, frowning. Hold on, isn't there supposed to be some kind of building? WizDot office or something? You're right. Giard frowned, talking into his radio. All units move to the west side of the road. We may have a code. 
Fuck it, we may have a missing building. I can't believe I noticed it. Price crossed the road, scanning with her thermal scope, detached from the rifle. Things been closed since March. I just remembered because I saw a patrol officer parked outside of it this morning. Maybe doing a checkup? Worth looking into. Giard nodded, opening a map on his phone. Okay, all units, the building was located approximately 700 meters into the Nexus Zone, on the western side of the road. That puts it about where the truck started flipping. Saren put the scope back on her rifle with the skill of an expert. What do you think? Can't be coincidence. The side of an asphalt parking lot with no accompanying building was unsettling. There were white lines where cars should be, and the lawn that surrounded it still looked well-maintained. But the two-story brown building that had once been a WizDot office was gone. Creepy. Saren stopped to inspect the asphalt, putting her hand against it. The ground beneath her heaved and sank with rhythm too slow to be a pulse. The ground's breathing. Fantastic, Giard sighed, talking into his radio. Can we get a containment unit to our locate? Cancel that, Saren hissed, looking at Giard. Think about it. A WizDot office vanishes at the exact location a truck runs off the road. Do you really want vehicles driving here? Giard frowned, looking at the stretch of road before them. WizDot also has jurisdiction over littering by highways, yeah? Yeah. Giard reached into his pocket and took out an energy bar. He took a bite out of it, swallowed, and motioned for all agents to get to a safe distance. Then, when they had all retreated, he threw the bar at the road and ran for it. His leg was broken by the impact as the road erupted toward where he stood, throwing him in a spiraling motion to the ground. Emerging from the newly formed crater was a Chthonian presence, all stone and brick and glass, slamming down onto the energy bar and throwing dirt and asphalt and God knows what else along with it. It didn't have limbs, so much as tendrils, made from utilities. The right side shot sparks from disconnected power cables, the left spewed water and sewage. Contact, 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 retreat. Saren hefted Giard under one arm and started to move. He had a nasty gash above one eye and his leg was bent at a bizarre angle. She managed to lift him enough that there wasn't any weight on it and yelled into her radio as they hobbled away. Site 87, this is Agent Price requesting an airstrike at my location. Throwing a flare now. Agents retreated in disarray, scattering in a dozen directions. Saren lit the flare and threw it up at the being, hoping it would find purchase somewhere as it lumbered, looking over the road. At least that's what Saren thought it was doing. In the place of its eyes were the doors of the WizDot office it had once been. Half a mile away, Robert Toffelmeyer and Allison Carroll watched the carnage through binoculars. Jesus fucking Christ, Alice's eyes widened. The town did that? That's a... What's it called? The monsters from the Godzilla movies. Kaiju. Yeah, Robert put down his binoculars. Come on, we should get further away. I don't think they're going to carpet bomb, but you never know. There's a safe house about another quarter mile into the woods. It can take a few megatons. Allison fumbled at her lapel-mounted flashlight, only to find it non-functional. The hell, I just put new batteries in. Maybe the town's trying to freak you out. Robert pulled out his phone and played a song, singing along to it. Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange? Robert gave pause, as his action, which was highly juvenile, and likely to get a rise out of his partner, didn't cause Allison to react. Sorry. Not you, just nervous about a lot of stuff. She climbed down a ridge, careful of one leg. Robert jumped down, landing in a pile of wet leaves. Ah, Robert groaned. I think I got a slug on me. Save it if you can. Dr. Grant's collecting samples, and he's got a bounty out for him. The sound of aircraft screamed overhead, likely a Foundation jet trying to get a fix on the entity. 
Behind them, gunshots rang out, as well as the odd scream. The sound of jet engines overhead was loud enough that Allison had to lean on a tree to steady herself, finding her hand coming away damp. When did it last rain? Oh, like a week ago. Allison sniffed at the fluid on her hand. By the moonlight, she could see an indentation on the tree, covered in black fluid, and at the base of the tree, a smooth white stone, half buried in the ground. Might have something. Cover me. She crouched in front of it, starting to dig at the stone with her bare hands. Robert, from his pocket, produced a trowel and threw it to her. Don't ruin your manicure. Bite me, she shot back with a smirk. After a few minutes, the stone was free from the ground. The shape was familiar, but she couldn't place it between the moonlight, the sounds, and the uneasiness of being in a dark forest at night. Then, a whooshing, whistling sound. The airstrike. Allison froze as the light of the explosion illuminated the stone in her hand, and she saw it for what it truly was. Her hand fumbled for her radio several times, and she muttered, Mal Toffelmeyer and I found the head. Over. Yards down. Siren Price's voice came over comms. So's the entity. We're closing in on your location. Any distinguishing features? Can you give a description? I don't know, Allison swallowed it. Is the head exhibiting anomalous properties? Is it anti-memetic? Is... It doesn't have a fucking face! Where it entered the town proper, Bray Road joined with Main Street at a right angle. It was at this corner where Agent Raymond February was having car trouble. He'd been out of town on an errand when the call came in about the truck, and was on the way back to the site to get his gear when his engine gave out. And, much like fire engines, wrecker services were not part of Foundation's regular expenditures. While February tapped his steering wheel, considering calling them again, a car from the SPPD drove by, slowly, on the other side of the road. February's heart jumped. Seeing a police car by itself was enough to give him anxiety anymore, but then he saw, above the left rear wheel, there was a sticker of a heavily stylized skull. Don't pull over, don't pull over, he muttered. The car rolled from the other side of the street and pulled behind him, turning on its red and blue strobes. His self-imposed moratorium on swearing strained itself, and he reached into his glove box, taking out his registration and proof of insurance. From his wallet, he withdrew his civilian license. I don't have time for this, he grumbled, putting up with some hick with a punisher fetish and a chip on his shoulder. The cop came to the window, blinding February with his light. You know there's a curfew, right, son? He used the accent standard to all cops in small American towns. I'm on my way back home, officer. He offered his license. Just had to get out of town for some things. Hmm, the cop said. This license isn't yours. What? February blinked. Yes, it is. Raymond Isaac February. Yes. Born July 31st, 1983? Yeah. There ain't no July 31st. Out of the car. Yes, there is. February groaned and emerged from the car. Look, officer, there's some misunderstanding here. I. There was a click of the safety as the cop drew his gun. The light still blinded February as he put his hands up. What's... You got a weapon on you. February blanched. He was wearing a service pistol and an underarm holster. It should have been concealed under his jacket, but it was open, and when he got out of the car, he must have brushed it aside. I'm licensed to carry, February swallowed. My CCL is in my wallet. I'm going to reach for it now and show it to you. He spoke clearly and calmly, trying not to shake. Son, relax. I ain't going to kill you, the cop chuckled, his tone reassuring. I mean, with nobody recording, who's going to tell people about this? What? It took February several seconds to realize that he'd been shot. Every time he'd been hit before, it had been on body armor. There was so much pain that he couldn't register the snapping of his collarbone. He bit his tongue, hissing. He had to consciously restrain his hand from going to his service pistol, instead using it to stop the blood flow. 
Hell, even after you get shot, you don't cuss? The cop laughed. Let's see if breaking a few fingers does it. February looked up at the cop's face and saw that it was wrong on his skull. It had once belonged to a much thinner man, but was stretched to accommodate the face of whatever was underneath it, and February was certain that thing wasn't human. "'What are you?' February hissed. "'Whatever you don't want me to be,' the cop responded, raising his boot. Allison Carroll and Robert Toffelmeyer stood outside the ICU where their friend was being kept. Site 87 had expanded their infirmary over the course of the last six months to fit dozens of new beds, just in case. February was in a rough state. He would live, but as for recovery, if Dr. Pike could recover from a shattered femur with only a slight limp, anything was possible. But February's fingers had been dislocated individually, his nose had been crushed, and the medical staff still couldn't get the swelling down enough to get to his eye. It almost doesn't look like him in that bed, Toffelmeyer swallowed. Like, I'm expecting him to walk in at any moment and sit by that bed and maybe read the Bible and pray for his recovery. He laughed, darker and more bitter than the strongest cup of coffee. What the fuck, Alice? It doesn't look like him. It, it looks like some kind of cheap mask. Allison locked her fingers together tight, squeezing tight enough that it hurt. Is it true that it was a cop? Toffelmeyer shook his head. I don't buy it. Every cop in Douglas County has our names, our faces, and license plates flagged as do not arrest. I don't think they'd even pull one of us over. Can't be a town thing either. The nexus is tetchy, but it's never been this actively malicious. Robert put his head in his hands. Until it is, I, he swallowed. Weiss is going to be briefing soon. I'm not going, I don't think. Allison put a hand on his shoulder. I can stay here if you want. Get the cliff notes from Sarah later. Why would someone do this? Robert gasped, choking on his words. Why would someone do this? The two agents stood there, watching their friend breathe through a tube, and unable to answer their own question. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear, follow the link in the description to patreon.com slash SCP Unredacted and help support me by becoming a patron for as little as $3 a month. You can get access to production logs, merchandise, recognition, and even a part in a skip. Regardless of tier, all patrons get early access to every single episode. I don't have the talent it takes to write a skip. All I do is read. Original authors make this podcast possible, so credit to the original author. Their link's in the description. Show them some love as well. Consider becoming a member of the SCP Wiki, upvote their work, and maybe write a skip of your own. Maybe I'll read it here someday. You never know if you never try. The content of this podcast and content relating to the SCP Foundation, including the SCP Foundation logo, is licensed under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0, and all concepts originate from scpwiki.com and its authors. This recording, being derived from this content, is hereby also released under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0. I'm Grigori Carpin from Simply Creative People, the podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SCP Wiki, and we try to recommend things for all fans of the Wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at anchor.fm slash simply-creative-people, or follow us on Twitter at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. Hey there, this is DJ Skip, host of Foundation After Midnight Radio, coming to you from the only third shift broadcast for personnel, by personnel. Be sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss out on containment news and community announcements from within the Foundation.